So we're talking about gifts today, and I would just like to say that one of the great gifts that God has given to me and to my family is Heidi. You, uh, you never know, well, you never know with in-laws, right? And um, I, I don't know about you, if, if you have these great expectations or you have these great plans for your children and who they're going to marry, I recommend not because odds are it ain't going to be anything like you imagine. And quite frankly, that, that's true of Heidi. She wasn't anything that I imagined. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about this, but um, all my in-laws, I, I have uh, two daughter-in-laws and a son-in-law now, and none of them are what I would have expected. But they're all a gift, and Heidi is a great gift to our family, and Heidi is what our family needs. She completes our family, and she makes us a better family, and uh, I am grateful for her, and I count her as one of my daughters as much as the two that were born to me, and so I'm very grateful for Heidi. We're talking about gifts today, and uh, to get us going in our conversation about gifts I need a volunteer. Let's see who will raise their hand. I see that hand. Thank you for volunteering. Could you stand up? Sure. Tell me your name. Marianne. Marianne. This is Marianne. I'm Winslow. Good to meet you. I have a gift for you. Ooh, thanks. This is this is a gift. Go ahead. You can open it up. It's nice wrapping. Yes, Heidi did it. Ooh. It's a coffee gift card to Broadway. Nice. From you. From me. Yeah. It's my gift to you. Thank you. Now, um, one thing that it's important for this conversation, you don't know me, right? No. It's, it's not like a while back you lent me $20 and now I'm paying you back, right? Right. Right. And it's not like you've been doing nice, wonderful things to me for a long time and now... I'm giving you something else, right? Correct. Okay. Is it your birthday today? Nope. It's definitely not Christmas. This is just a gift. You haven't done anything. You don't really deserve it. You don't. <laughs> not, that, not that you're undeserving, but you, you didn't. It's, it's not like I owe you in any way, right? Right. Okay. So we can say, because Marianne has been given a gift that Mary Ann is gifted, right? Mary Ann, I have gifted her, right? All right, now, because this is a gift, you can do whatever you want with it. I'm not gonna take it back. I'm not gonna require anything of you. I'm not gonna, uh, you know, check up on you later or anything like that. It's a gift, it's all yours. But I would like to make a suggestion, all right? And it's just a suggestion. You get to do it, you know, if you want to save it for a rainy day, if you want to stick it in a drawer and forget about it and never use it, if you want to hand it off to somebody else, that's all fine. That's good. It's yours to do with as you please. But this is my suggestion. What I'd like for you to do is to take the gift that I've given you and get a friend or two and go to Broadway Coffee and buy them coffee and sit down and share your lives together to just enjoy each other and talk about the journey. Talk about where God's at work in your life. Maybe do some connecting of the dots like we've been talking about on Sunday mornings and uh, just have fun with a friend or two with this, okay? Amen, I love that idea. Okay, <laughs> so if you do this, mm -hmm. then I have gifted you and then you become my gift to others. See, my, my gift to you enables you to become a gift to others. And they don't even know me, but I still get to be part of the gift to them, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for your help, Marianne. So, what we're talking about today, and the big idea that I want you to think about and, and keep in mind as we talk today is uh, simply this. No, not that. How about that? Jesus 
gives us gifts so that we can be his gifts to others. Jesus gives us gifts so that we can be his gift to others. And the passage we're going to talk about today is Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, there's this interesting statement. Paul, at the beginning of Ephesians 4, is talking about the unity within the body of Christ, within the church, that there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, uh, there's this great unity. But within this unity, there is diversity. Within this unity, we're uh, very different, and we offer different things. And so in verse 7 of Ephesians 4, he says, However, he has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. Each one has been gifted. Each one of us has been given a generous gift according to the generosity of Jesus. Jesus gives us gifts so that we in turn can be his gift to others. So I want you to talk about this for just a bit with the people at your table. And I want you to think about uh, this. When you hear somebody say, oh, she's so gifted. Or, oh, oh, they're really gifted at that. What does that make you feel? How does that, what is your response to that? What do you feel toward that person who they say, oh, they're so gifted? Um, Talk about that for just a minute. All right, so let me in on the conversation. And what are some of the things that you hear around your table uh, when you hear, oh, she's so gifted? <coughs> what, what is that? Insecurity within yourself. Because why? Well, and... And you're not, yes. Okay, good, good, good. Um, that means she is and I ain't. All right, good. What else are you hearing? Excited, okay. So, <laughs> there's a few of these women that are thinking, I ain't excited. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. All right, any other... <laughs> Any other things about that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if they're gifted, it, they just are gifted. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. All right. I want, you, I want you to talk about one other thing around your table. So the verse again says, he has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. And so when it says each one of us, I assume that includes you. So what does that stir in you, the idea that God or that Jesus has given you a gift according to his generosity? What, what does that stir in you as you hear that? Talk about that for a second. Okay, let me interrupt again, and uh, what, what do you hear around your table as you talk about this? What does it stir in you when it says that you have been gifted by Jesus? I mean, it's one thing for my new friend Marianne to get a gift card from me, but for you to get a gift from Jesus, what does that stir in you? What does that feel like? Humble? Okay. Responsibility, yeah. Inspired. Inspired, good. Other, other things you're hearing around the table? That, that you have authority? Yeah, because, I mean, the king just gave you something. Right, good, yeah, uh-huh. What else? Curiosity about, oh, what it is. Okay, you, you want to open the package. Good. If you're Heidi, you already know what it is. So, 
doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> good, good, good. So, as um, we continue in this passage in Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, Paul kind of takes a little rabbit trail in verses 8 through 11. And uh, he talks about a passage in Psalm, Psalm 68, 18, where um, it presents Jesus as the victor and he's giving out gifts. He's, he's gone and he's become victorious and he's, now there's a parade as he comes back and he has captives and he's passing out gifts at this parade. And so um, you've been to parades and they, they pass out candy and um, typically at parades you get the worst of candy. And of course the worst of worst candies is Dum Dum Suckers, <laughs> which the name says it all, right? <laughs> dum Dum Suckers, you know, okay? And, but that's not the kind of gift that Jesus hands out. Jesus hands out gifts out of his generosity and out of his, his grace and his love. And so um, after this little side trip that Paul takes in verses 8 through 11, he comes back to talking about the gifts. And in verse 11, it says this, he is the one, so Jesus is the one, who gave these gifts to the church, and he names five of them the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And on your table, I should have mentioned this before, you've got a little slip that looks like this, and if you haven't kind of passed those around, you might want to pass those around so everybody gets one. And you've got the Pentagon on here that has those five uh, gifts. We use the Pentagon because, well... There's five of them. <laughs> yeah, okay. So just a way of remembering the five gifts, the Pentagon gives us a shape to help us remember this. So he gave the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, the people that have been given these gifts, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone, um, someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead... We will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So God in Jesus gives us gifts so that we, in turn, can be his gift to others. We can strengthen them, we can equip them, we can help them, and the goal for all these gifts that he gives is the transformational work of becoming more and more like Jesus, which is what it says here in uh, verse 15, becoming more and more in every way like Christ. That's the goal. And Paul mentions these, these five gifts in this, this passage. There's more than these five in other passages, but we're going to talk about these five gifts today. Now, these gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, we think of in very churchy terms. We think of them as very official positions in a church setting. We think of them as people with vocational jobs. And most of you will never have a position like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just the reality that you're not going to have one of those positions as we think of them as very official jobs. So does that mean none of you are gifted in this way? Well, I don't think so. I think 
you're, you're gifted in one of these ways, um, but the term itself can be an obstacle to you seeing that. And so what I'd like to do is suggest five different terms to go with these terms that would um, maybe help you to think of how you might be gifted in this way. And on the back side of your sheet, there's another pentagon with blanks. And that's what we're going to fill in as we go. And so the first of these is an apostle. Now, apostle can have a very limited meaning. In Acts chapter 1, um, after uh, the apostles are together and they're trying to replace Judas, and uh, Peter says, if we're going to get a new apostle, this guy has to have certain qualifications. And the qualifications was, he needs to be with us, with Jesus, from the beginning, and he needs to be a witness of the resurrection. And so the, the definition of an apostle in some parts of the New Testament is most significantly that they're a witness to the resurrected Jesus. Now, if that's the definition of apostle, that very narrow, specific definition, that means we don't have any today. But maybe Paul has something a little broader in mind as he speaks of Jesus giving gifts to the church and giving some people this sort of uh, gift. And maybe if we think about the Greek word and what it actually means, it might give us some clues as to what the gift might be. The word apostle is a word that we've taken from Greek and just given English letters to and really made a new word. Um, the, the Greek word is apostolos. Does that kind of sound like apostle? Yeah. So we just transfer it into English. But the word means, the Greek word means one who has been sent. One who is on a mission. It is a word that was used of uh, an ambassador who's sent by the king on a specific job to do the work of the king somewhere else. And so the word that I'd like to use instead, oh, watch out for the piano. The word I'd like to use instead of uh, apostle is the word sent. Have you ever felt that you were sent, that you were compelled, that you were on a mission? Do you ever feel that you have a job to do and that Holy Spirit is prompting, even driving you to do it and enabling you to do it better than you could do on your own? Maybe in your feeling sent, you also are able to organize and bring others along with you. You're able to call them into your mission, into the thing that you feel called to do, and you're able to uh, organize and prompt and move them in that way. And if that's something that seems to happen in your life, perhaps Jesus' gift in you is that you are sent, and as you go and invite others to go with you, you become Jesus' gift to others. You help them become a little more like Jesus. The second word is um, prophet. And again, if we think of prophet in a very narrow sense, then um, there aren't many around. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says this, We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. The foundation, the people who started the church, who, who began the work of bringing people to Christ were the apostles and the prophets. And if we understand the prophet in that very narrow sense, then again, there aren't any today. 
But perhaps Paul had in mind something a little broader and something that was more in line with what the word actually means. Prophet, again, is a word that we take from Greek and have made it into an English word. Um, but what does it mean? Uh, the word speaks of an inspired speaker, one moved by the Spirit of God to speak words of encouragement, instruction, or correction, comfort, and conviction. And the word that I would like to use here, instead of the word prophet, is the word poet. Oops, went too far. The word poet. In the Greek, the, the word is often used of poets because they were thought to be inspired by God or the gods, depending on which Greek you talk to. Um, one who is moved with powerful words. The poet has inspired words, spoken and written. Do you ever seem to have just the right words for the occasion? Do you sometimes seem to be able to see what's going to happen if people continue down a certain path and you're able to warn them or encourage them, as the case may be, with powerful words that seem to come from the Spirit himself in a way that is stronger and better than what you could do on your own? Do you sometimes have a message that seems to have great authority as if it is from God? One reason I like the word poet is because the message that you bring may not come through words. The message that you bring may come through a medium of paint or cloth or yarn or clay that there might be something in you of the artist and in your artistry, you're able to bring a message of truth. You're able to bring a message of inspiration that causes people to be a little more like Jesus. You may be gifted as a poet so that you can be Jesus' gift to others. The third word is uh, an evangelist. And that word probably strikes terror in the hearts of many of you. Um, and because you think of an evangelist as, as one of two things, uh, one, either Billy Graham, or two, as going and knocking on random doors and handing out tracts. Hello, I have something for you. Um, <laughs> You're not sure which is more terrifying, to be that person or to answer the door when that person is there, right? Right? Okay. What if we had a little broader view of the evangelist? Because one, not all of us are Billy Graham because actually, who is? And not all of us are called to knock on doors and hand out tracts. What if we saw the, the word as more of what the Greek word actually means? We get an idea of what the Greek word means in Luke chapter 2, when the angel appears to the shepherds after Jesus is born. You remember the story? The shepherds are watching their sheep by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord appeared to them and said, Behold, I bring you Tidings, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. The word glad tidings is the Greek word euangelion, which is what we get evangelists from. And it simply means good news. Good news. And so the word that I would like to use instead of evangelist is the word storyteller. One who says the good news. One who says, guess what? See, some of you are terrified at the idea of knocking at a door and saying, I'm attracting you. But you, you could get excited about the idea of saying, guess what? Because you have a story to tell. 
and you're good at telling stories. Social media is full of people that tell stories. A lot of them don't do it very well. You know, these, these, these video things, these video chat things and, and video presentations, it's, it's interesting. People think there's nothing to that until they do it. And then they, oh, well, um, 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 uh, and they're not very good at it. But some people are. Some people are really gifted as a storyteller and they draw you in. And they tell you about their lives and what's going on and what's happening. And they tell you about God at work. And in our culture, a culture that despises the idea of a God who says that there's a right and wrong, in our culture that despises the idea of um, truth, we don't argue with people's experience. And that's where the storyteller can be a great evangelist simply by saying, this is my story, this is my experience. And if you're a person who is able to tell great stories, and sometimes as you tell your story, it seems as if the Holy Spirit is moving in you and the story is flowing and coming and it's exciting and it's drawing people in and it's happening in a way that you couldn't do on your own. Perhaps it's because you're gifted as a storyteller. And as you tell your story to others, you become God's gift to them. Jesus' gift to them. The fourth word is a pastor. And if ever there's a, a word that is churchy and limited and very defined in people's thinkings, um, it's the word pastor. For uh, Heidi said, for over 30 years, I, I was a pastor. And um, it was a great conversation stopper. Um, you know, you, when you meet people, you know, you talk about you, your name and before long, the question comes up, what do you do? And, um, you know, I'd say, well, I'm a pastor and you don't know how many times that was it. That was the end. Uh, they wanted nothing more to do with me after that. But we have this, this picture of a pastor and, and many of you are thinking, well, that's not me. And it probably won't be. And that's, that's fine. But what if we think about what the word itself actually means? The word, the Greek word, <clears throat> is really a shepherd. And the word, and this is actually two words, um, but it's as good as I could get, is um, herding cats. <laughs> or it, it, as my wife pointed out to me last night, it should really be herder of cats. Uh, you know, because she didn't like that it was a ver. you know. Anyway, but herding cats. Uh, those of you who have ever had more than one preschooler in your home <laughs> know the idea of herding cats. You, you can relate to that perfectly. And the more, the more you have, the greater the herding of cats imagery comes. Now, for some of you, the idea of, of two uh, preschoolers at home is a little terrifying. If I added three or four or five, it would just, your, your anxiousness would rise with each number. But for some of you, you're like, oh, yes. Give me a few more. Just, just let me have one. Just let me have a couple more. I have a niece who has... Um, uh, four or five kids of her own, I can't keep count. And, um, and she, she just thrives with these kids. And she loves having them. And she's always doing these little projects in her house. And she's got the kids doing this and that. And she usually has several nieces and nephews along on top of her kids. There's often 12 kids roaming around her home and you would think it would be absolute chaos. But this woman just thrives on this and she delights in this and she has these little 
craft projects and they're learning this and they're learning that. And some of you think, just shoot me now. You see, she's gifted as a herder. She's gifted as a shepherd. And what did shepherds do? What was the role of the shepherd in the ancient world? Well, the shepherd was, uh, their job was to feed the flock, to watch for enemies, defend from attack, heal the sick and wounded, find the lost. In short, to love them. And some of you, all of you do this to one extent. But some of you are especially gifted at it. It makes you come alive. And maybe not, not with children. Maybe it's with a group of women and you're getting them together <laughs> to do something so outrageous as, as like have a Bible study. I mean, a bunch of women doing a Bible study. Can you think of anything more like herding cats or, or maybe, maybe you're just trying to get a bunch of women together and you're going to go to Broadway coffee and have coffee and talk about life while their babies are running here and there and going, you know, everywhere, but you're able to bring them together in a way that is calming and assuring and beautiful. And maybe you're just gifted with a shepherd's heart, or you're gifted at herding cats. Amen, brother. Um, you're gifted at that, and as you live that out, you are able to be Jesus' gift to others. The last one is uh, the word teacher, and this is probably the most innocuous word of them all, the easiest one for us to take out of a church setting. And indeed, all of you who uh, have children are teachers. You teach your children to get dressed, you teach them to eat, you teach them to tie their shoes, except for the ones that never quite got it and they still have the Velcro. Um, you're, you're a teacher, that's, that's part of who you are. But there's some of you who just delight in being able to instruct and encourage and explain. And the word that I want to use instead of teacher and teacher would really work, but since I'm coming up with new words, is simply explainer. Some of you are just fantastic explainers. All right, somebody's telling directions on how to get to their house and they're going, they're, they get, you know, you can go down the street and I, I don't know what the name, you go, and then you're gonna turn, you're gonna go, you're gonna go left. Or, or maybe it's, okay, and then, and then somebody says, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me explain this. And they just lay it out and, and everybody goes, oh yeah, that's easy. They understand. They know what you're talking about. And that's a gift. And, and for some of you, being able to explain whether it's <clears throat> something from God's word or just something of mothering or something of uh, preparing a meal. In your explaining, there's something in you that, that comes alive and you feel at times that your explanation is better than ever and it's as if Holy Spirit's giving you just the right words as you go and it clicks and it moves and it's wonderful and you're able to teach. You're able to explain. Um, I feel gifted as a teacher, and um, actually, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me let me save that thought for a, in a little bit. What I want you to do as you think about these five things and and my five different words of being sent, being a poet, a storyteller, herding cats or explainer. I want you to think for a minute, if you had to pick one of these, and for our purposes now you do, so if you have to pick one of these, I want you to just share with the people at your table, which one do you think would best describe you? All right, if you had to pick one of them, what one would best describe you? 
Uh, so just quickly around your table, share that with the people there. Okay, so as you talk about this and as you think about these five gifts and you, you ask, is that me? Um, I wonder how many of you, as, as you think about these five gifts, uh, how many of you think, yeah, none of them. Not, you know, not quite. Maybe, you know, I had that moment where I felt like God sent me, but I wouldn't say that's all the time. And every once in a while I come up with a pretty good explanation, but, you know, it's just not, I don't feel like I'm clicking there. Um, how many of you feel like it's just not really any of these? Anybody like that? A few over here? A few honest people? Okay, the rest of you, you're just kidding yourselves. Well, um, no. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for catching that. Um, so what I'm going to share now is really just for these two over here. So the rest of you, the rest of you are set. But if, if you ever feel like you don't quite qualify, that my gifting isn't really one of these things. If, if you ever feel like, um, ha, have any of you ever done these um, gift tests where, you know, they have, they have 45 spiritual gifts and uh, you answer the questions and because you got 12 of this and three of this, then this is your gift, right? Just a few of you raise your hand just to make me feel better. Thank you. Okay, good. So, um, I, the, some of these I, th I think are just hilarious, actually, because of the list of gifts. I remember I, I took this once, this, this gift inventory thing once, and one of the gifts, and I'm not even sure where they get this from biblically, but one of the gifts was the gift of martyrdom, which um, is a great gift. You can only do it once, but um, I, I, I just... I just didn't get that. Well, <laughs> I have the gift of martyrdom. All right. So, um, if you ever feel like you don't quite fit, if, if you're not quite gifted, if you're not quite the right sort of thing, you should remember two guys from the Old Testament, Bezalel, and Aholiab. Oh yeah, those guys. I know what you're thinking. They show up in Exodus 31. And in, you know the story of Exodus. God takes his people out of Egypt. They uh, have the 10 plagues. They cross the Red Sea. And they go to Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up on the mountain. God gives them the 10 commandments. And then God tells Moses, I want you to build for me a place for me to live. It's going to be called the tabernacle. And it was a portable worship center. And it may, have oops. it may have looked something like this. We really don't know exactly what it looked like, but it may have looked something like this. And it was, um, they, God gives Moses these, how to build this. It's supposed to be so big, and it's supposed to be made with this, and this is what you furnish it with. And I can imagine Moses, as God's giving him these instructions that go on for several chapters in Exodus, I can imagine Moses thinking, how in the world am I ever supposed to pull this off? And in chapter 31, the Lord said to Moses, look, I have chosen Bezael, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom intelligence and skill and all kinds of crafts. He is able to create beautiful objects from gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in cutting and setting gemstones and in carving wood. Yes, he's a master of every craft. When we talk about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, who's the source of spiritual gifts? spiritual gifts. Holy Spirit, right. Holy Spirit is the one who gives the gifts. Well, in this case, God says to Moses, I have filled him, our friend Bezel, by the way, I, 
I don't know if any of you are pregnant or expecting, but I, pff, here's a great name for you. You might <laughs> add this to your best. She says no. Uh, Aholiab, what do you say? Huh? You could ca- just call him Holy. We call him Holy. Um, okay, maybe not. Anyway, God says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. He has a spiritual gift. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. And what is his spiritual gift? It's in making beautiful objects of gold, silver, and bronze. He's skilled at cutting and setting gemstones. You ever see gemstone cutting on one of those spiritual inventory tests? What's your spiritual gift? Cutting gemstones. I thought it was martyrdom, but well, that one didn't work out so well. You see, my my point in this is, God is able to gift you and use you in ways that might not fit into any list, that might not fit into these five categories that we talked about today. It, it might fit into that. Now, one thing with this, this guy, uh, Bezalel, he was, in some senses, an apostle. He was sent on a mission And he was gifted in bringing others into that because he got a whole bunch of uh, craftsmen together to build this thing. And he had to organize them and and get them uh, working together. And, And so he had some skills that we could put in some of these five categories. But when God says, I gifted him, it was in very practical but very beautiful ways in making Uh, beautiful things and beautiful items. Um, In verse six it says, and I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ashemesh, of the tribe of Dan, to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the naturally talented craftsmen so that they can make all the things I instructed you to make. I see three uh, lessons that we should pay attention to in these two guys and really all the craftsmen that God gifted to make this place that's called the tabernacle. The first one, the first lesson is this. Our gifts are often hard to recognize because we assume that everyone can do what comes easily to us. Our gifts are often hard to recognize because we um, assume that everyone can do what comes easily to us. So this is what I started to say earlier, but I was getting ahead of myself. Um, I, I'm gifted as a teacher. That's, that's part of how God made me. And um, a couple weeks ago, Heidi came to me and said, would you be interested in speaking uh, at the gathering? Now, for some of you, that would be a moment to go, <laughs> and um, your palms get sweaty and you just, uh, for me, it was like, yes, I love to do that. I, I enjoy doing that. I, there's, there's, no, there's no fear. There's no nervousness. The bigger the crowd, the better. I, bring it on. Let's go. Isn't everybody like that? You see, for, for me, it's, it's something that I've always enjoyed doing. It's something that's come easy to me. It's, it's just part of who I am. And it's easy for me to discount that because, well, everybody can do it, right? Well, apparently not. I, I don't understand it. Some people actually get nervous about this sort of thing. Weird. Our gifts are often hard to recognize because we assume everybody else can do it. We don't see anything special about it. The second lesson from these guys, uh, Bezel and Aholiab, is God's gift to us are often, not always, but God's gift to us are often special skill given to natural ability. And we see this in verse six. I have given special skill to all the natural talented craftsmen. These guys were already gifted 
these, I shouldn't say gifted, these guys were already talented. These guys already had skills, but God gifted them. The spirit came upon them so that those natural abilities were greater and even better. So often, again, not always, but often our gifts are special skill given to our natural ability. Um, some brilliant lady over here said something about, when I asked the question about um, what, what stirs in you when you hear that you've given a gift, they want to know what is it. And often that's, that's where people are at. Okay, so God's given me a gift. What in the world is it? What do you like? What are you just kind of good at? What do you enjoy? Start there. And you might find that Holy Spirit uh, gives you some special skill to that natural ability. A third thing from these uh, guys building the tabernacle is that God gives us gifts, but he gives us great freedom to use our gifts within the parameters he has set. God told Moses, you're going to build this place. It's going to be made out. It's going to be this tent. There's an actual tent. There's an outer court around the tent. Um, you got to build this altar. you got to build this furniture that goes inside the tent. He gives dimensions, but he doesn't tell them how to do it. How, how do you build this? How, how are you going to do this? And remember where these people are. They're in the wilderness. So you've got to smelt gold. You've got to melt it down, and you're going to turn it into this giant candelabra with six uh, stems coming off of the side, and they're going to look like almond blossoms, and, and God gives these instructions, if you think about your menorah type thing, but it was a freestanding, it wasn't just a little guy, it was a stand-up thing. And God said, I want it to look like this. And he said, it's to be made out of a single piece, a single piece of gold. Sure. You gotta have somebody who can figure out how to even do it. And you might have to build things in the wilderness in order to build what you're going to make. They, they, they wove these, these huge sheets uh, that are part of the tent, 45 feet long six feet wide. You, you got a loom for that in your back pocket? <laughs> See, God gives us great freedom to work within the parameters he set because he trusts you. He's gifted you with a gift and he trusts you to do good things with it. I gave my good friend Mary Ann a gift she left. She's gone. <laughs> um, she's, go, she's off calling her friends. She's getting her party ready. I, I gave her a gift and I entrusted her with it. She can do whatever she wants. God trusts you with the gift that he's given. As we wrap this up today, I want you to hear this. The enemy of your soul would love to convince you that you are nothing special, that you have nothing to offer, that you are not gifted. And it's easy to believe that others have gifts and that you may wish I was like her or I wish I was like that. Instead of listening to the words of the enemy, Believe the words of Ephesians 4, 7. Believe that Jesus has given you a gift so that you can be a gift to others. Believe that he wants you to be part of this process of building a holy temple, a holy tabernacle. But it's not a temple that's made of curtains. It's not a temple that's made of stone. It's now a temple that's made of you and me. It's a temple in which God lives by his spirit and he gifts us so that we can be part of the process, the transformative work of building people up 
of making them to become more and more like Jesus. And he needs you in the process and he's given you gifts so that you can be part of that. Bezel and Aholiab were building this dwelling place for God and now you're doing the same work. God invites us to this amazing work, to be the dwelling place in which he lives and to call others and to be part of them growing and maturing and becoming like Jesus. And so he's given you a gift so that you can be his gift to others. So as we finish today, let me just pray over you and bless you with that gift. So Father, Son, and Spirit, thank you that you are the God who gives good gifts. Thank you that you are the God who delights in giving because you are the God of love. You are the God who loved the world so much that you gave. You gave your only begotten son. You gave us salvation. And in giving us salvation, you give us a gift that we can't earn, that we don't deserve, but you've gifted us out of your generosity. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would quiet the lies of the enemy that says to these ladies that they have nothing to offer. That you would defeat the lie of the enemy that says that they are not enough, that they don't have good things, but that you would remind them of the way that you've gifted them. For some of them, I pray that you would help them to un wrap the package and to see that gift maybe in a new way. That they would begin to see how you've made them and how you've allowed their natural talents and abilities to be supernaturally gifted by you so that they could do more and greater things than they could ever do on their own. That they would have that sense of delight as Holy Spirit works in them and guides them and fills them. And may they be part of that great transformative work of making each of us look a little more like Jesus. Thank you that you are building your church. You're building a holy temple. And it's in the lives of each one here. Thank you for the part that we have to play in that process. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.